0: Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. So we are bringing to a close today our series Called The Church Defined. we've been journeying through the book of Acts. Next weekend, Dale Everett's going to be with us, and we're going to head into some new territory that we'll be telling you about. Last week, we looked at, a little bit at Paul's first missionary journey and how he went from town to town, then reversed his course and visited them. He ends up back at Antioch. He's there for about a year. While there, they, they, he's involved in a big controversy that hits the church I think that was in Acts chapter 14. You can read about it. We're not gonna cover it, but it's there. And the big controversy was that there were some Jews who were saying, in order to be saved, you have to be circumcised. So the leaders of the church came together, they debated that, they took it before the Lord, and they concluded that that was not true, and they came up with a formula for salvation that we still adhere to this, this, to this day because we believe it's in the Bible. And here is the formula if you want to get saved. The formula for salvation simply this. Salvation equals Jesus plus, help me, church. What that means is there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor apart from receiving Jesus. When, how many times do we have people come to church and you can see the Lord kind of working on them, God's dealing with them, but when you approach them and say, man, it would appear to me you're, you're ready to receive the Lord, and their response is, man, I... I just need to go out and get some things right before I come back. As if salvation equals Jesus plus get it right first. How many you know if we could get it right without Jesus, we'd have never needed to accept him. We'd have just kept going. Come on, we needed him, all right? And I just want to encourage you, if you're in the house today, today's a great day to open up the door to Jesus. Amen. You open the door, and he comes in, all right? So after they were done with the council, then this happens in Acts chapter 15. It says this. Sometime later, and I'm, there we go. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord. That was in his first missionary journey. They're gonna go back and see how they are doing. Now notice, initially it looked like Paul and Barnabas was gonna go. I'm not gonna talk about what happened, but Paul ends up not going with Barnabas. You can read about why he did it. Uh, Here's the Bible quiz question for the day. Who did Paul take with him on his second missionary journey? All right, he took with him Silas. That is the correct uh, answer. And here was a map of Paul's second missionary journey. I know it might be a little small to those of you who were in the back. But if you can look on the right-hand side to Syria, Antioch is where he took off. And the first leg of the trip is him going back to visit the churches that he had visited before. But he goes way beyond that. You see how big that circle is? I mean, he literally goes through four countries on his journey, his second missionary journey. He goes through Syria, Turkey, Greece, and Cyprus, literally thousands of miles to reach people as the Lord leads him. And one of the cities he ended up in was a city called Berea, and I wanna take a look at these verses from his visit in Berea, which we'll base the message on for today. And it says this, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. They had, they had hit some persecution in Thessalonica, so now they're gonna to go to the next town over, which was Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, now listen. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So here is the simple message I bring to those of you getting baptized today and to the whole church, and it's this simple. From our text we see, that the people of Berea were serious about following Jesus. They were eager to learn. They got into the scriptures. To, when Paul said, well, look at this scripture and that scripture, they went home and they, they checked it out for themselves and because they were serious, they grew. Question for you today. Are there people who if you ask them, are, are, you know, have you accepted Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? They'd be quick to say yes but they're not serious. Are there people like that? All right, stick with me, church. It's okay to say amen, okay to contribute, all right? Um, l- listen, let's say you tell me you're, you're a Ravens fan. We got, we got Ravens fans in the house. Okay, well listen, the seriousness of a Ravens fan comes in all different categories. So you're, say, a Ravens fan. Well, I go to your, your basement, which is your, like, your Ravens, what would you call that? Like your, yeah, your man cave. And I mean, you got Raven's flags and you got Ray Lewis signatures and you got stuff. And I'm like, you're serious. And I propose to you today that it shouldn't be too hard if I take a look at your life to know whether you're serious about following Jesus or not. These Bereans were serious. Come on, church, you gotta get with us this morning. They were eager to learn and eager to grow. And they got into their Bibles because they were serious. Because the truth of the matter is, to follow Jesus means that he is the priority of your life. Come on, do you believe that you're created by God? That he is the reason you are here. Without him, you wouldn't exist. Do you believe that he sent Jesus when you had run from him so that through Jesus you could be restored in relationship? Do you believe he died? Do you believe he rose again? Yeah, do you believe that one day you will stand before him and you will take nothing with you from this world? It'll just be you and him. And in that moment, you're gonna realize he needed to be my priority because right now it's just me and him. Do you believe those things? Well, I'm trying to help you this morning. The Brians were serious. For you see, listen, Jesus cannot just be a slice of the pie. Now, I pick pumpkin pie because... I made this. I, I got to pick, and that's my favorite. And, and we're in that season. Uh, my wife and I yesterday we tried some pumpkin ice cream at a at a, at a pumpkin farm we were at. It wasn't bad, but uh, uh, I wouldn't say it would be my favorite. But it was pretty good. But nonetheless, all right. Listen. See, see, you know, you could say, well, you know, this these are the things that are important in my life. I love my wife. I love my family, and all all good things. But Jesus can't just be of those things. Jesus is is a slice. He's got to be the whole pie, friend. Come on, somebody. And, and the whole pie will affect then everything else in your life. That'll flow to your marriage. That'll flow to your family. That'll flow um, to other things. Come on, somebody. The Bereans were serious. They were, they were checking out who, you know, Paul says, that, or, or Paul was saying, look, Jesus is this. Check it out. They, they were checking it out. And A, a, little, a little side note since we're, we're right there in this message. Listen. Do you know most all religions believe that Jesus was a good guy? Muslims believe in Jesus. They believe he was a prophet, he was a good guy. Hindus, Buddhists, pretty much all religions, except for maybe Satanism and a few others uh, who detest Jesus, uh, believe he was a good guy. But, But there's something they really don't get, and it's this. When Jesus walked the earth, he said things like this. He said, I and my Father are one. He said, I am the I am. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. One point they stoned him because the Bible says he a man claimed to be God. Now listen, we all love Brother Sam. We appreciate his many years of uh, jail ministry in Baltimore County prisons. But listen, if, if I said, Brother Sam's gonna come up and share a testimony and Brother Sam stands up here and says, here's my testimony today. I am Jesus. Do we all, do we all be like, What a great man Brother Sam is. Yay, Brother Sam. Somebody's whispering, we need to get some help for Brother Sam. (laughs) He's he's gone south. Something's wrong here. Okay? So listen. If Jesus walked around this earth claiming to be God, and he wasn't, he wasn't a good guy. He was a madman. There's really only two categories you can put Jesus in. Either he was who he said he was, or he was loony. Think about it. People who say, I'm not ready for Jesus yet. What category are they putting him in? The loony category. He's the one you're gonna stand before someday. Come on, how many believe he is who he says he is? Amen. amen. God help us to see it this morning. Amen. If you're grateful for Jesus in your life, say amen. amen. Um, the Bible says this about, about your life. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall. In other words, everything about your life's gonna go away, but the word of our Lord stands, help me. Hover. That's why I, I love Jesus' counter with Zacchaeus. And if you'll remember, uh, Zacchaeus was a short tax collector. He climbed a tree to get a better view of Jesus. Jesus walks right up to the tree and he says, hey, I need to have dinner with you today. And somebody says, well, that was kind of rude. Doesn't Jesus ask? Well, you know why Jesus doesn't need to ask? Because he's the Lord. And, and Jesus says, I need to have dinner with you today because if you let me come over to your house, I'm going to rock your world. I need to have dinner because I have plans for you. And it was at that dinner that Zacchaeus stands up and he, he gets saved, man. God does a great work in Zacchaeus' life. He's the Lord, friends. Are you listening this morning? We got to be serious like the Bereans were. Amen? So I want to give you four quick points before we have baptism this morning. About And I can give a lot of points. These are some things that are on my heart that I believe that you will see, just like I go into your man cave and I look on the walls, I know you're serious about following Jesus, Here, or serious about being a Ravens fan. Here's some things that I believe ought to be in somebody's life who's serious. Number one, they take seriously coming to God's house. I wanna ask you a question. How many of you, when you first got saved, you didn't have to be begged to come to God's house? I mean, you. You, you were excited, that you just couldn't wait to worship, you couldn't wait to be around God's people. Because you understood, listen, you understand that somebody you're sitting beside right now could be your neighbor in heaven. This, this is your forever family. And I, I, I have a hard time with people who don't enjoy their forever family when they're gonna be with their forever family forever. You know, what What do you call people, somebody in your family, you have this family reunion, you all love each other, you all get together, but there's, you know, crazy Uncle Joey or Freddie that, that never takes place. And he's like an outcast. He's like, come on, come on, we don't want you, to, we want you to be part of the family. Come on, we're, we're part of the family and we're better together. And I propose in these last days, it's the enemy himself that's trying to divide the church, trying to keep people away from the church because he understands what happens when we worship together, pray together, work together. We're, we're a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the enemy's camp. Can you say amen this morning? See, what has happened is church, churches become, instead of I'm, I'm coming together to worship God, I'm coming together to be a blessing, churches become what's in it for me, become about me. Well, they didn't sing my song today. Well, they didn't do this today. And this type of mentality has caused churches to be like, what can we do to draw people? What can we do to make sure people are happy? What do we what can we do to make sure people have a good experience? Now I don't want you to have a bad experience, but when it becomes all about people, what about God? Is this, is this the people's church or is this Christ's church? And I'm not I'm not trying to say we don't love people, we don't want to bless people, but I think you understand. When when a church becomes nothing more than we all, you know, like Burger King, we want it our way. We're not a church anymore. Come on, somebody. We're supposed to gather together to glorify Him, to want more of Him, to hunger after Him. And I propose the more you make it about Him, the more you'll want to be here. The more you make it about yourself, the more disappointed you'll be. Take a look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 14, all right? It says this What shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has? Somebody say, everybody has. A hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strength of the church. Notice two things about this. First of all, Paul admonished people to bring something with them when they came to church. In other words, something to give. Come on. How many got a smile? You can bring a smile. How many you can lift a hand? You got your worship. You understand? There's something you can there's something you can bring with you when you come to church to be a blessing to somebody else. And notice that that. Not only were they to come with something to bring, but it was for the overall good of the whole church, not just about me. Like, it's not about what's good for me, what, what's good for all of us. There was this bigger picture together. Come on, somebody. We, we were on vacation uh, in June, visited a church that I've visited a number of times when we've been to Deep Creek Lake. Uh, one of my deceased wife's relatives is on the board there, and I enjoy visiting there, and uh, they were in between pastors at that time, and and we got there a little early, and I noticed there wasn't a greeter at the door, and and I just can't help myself. I'm like, well, nobody asked me, but no one told me no either, so I saw people walking across the parking lot, so I just, welcome, welcome, it's nice to have you here. They didn't know who I was, but it didn't matter. It's like, I I don't want to make it about me, you understand? I want to bless somebody, I want to help somebody, and I have found the more that I do that, the more I walk away blessed. Are you listening this morning? Come on, we're talking about being serious. Serious believers are people who come to the place where they say, look, it ain't about me. I wanna glorify God and I wanna help somebody else because, think about it, how can you see what God is doing in our midst? If God's like working around us, if your eyes are squarely planted, I don't see God working in our midst. Yeah, lift up your eyes. Look around. That's why David said, I lift my eyes to the hills. Now, he's, he's not talking about finding a mountain somewhere. He's saying, get your eyes off yourself. I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from, help me, church, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? Amen. Number two, I'm going to cover this one quickly because I kind of already talked about it. People who are serious don't compartmentalize Jesus. They don't have this file where uh, you know they take Jesus out of the file when they need him, and they put him back in the file when he's not suddenly convenient to what they want to do in their life that's compartmentalizing. You, under, you understand I have uh, going back to kind of a, a piece of the pie, people who are serious about follow following Jesus uh, you know. They understand he is the Lord of the file cabinet and he is welcome to any file that he wants. First Corinthians ten thirty one says, people uh, says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Everybody say all. all. All for the glory of God. Told you I'd be quick on that. Number three, and I want to slow down for this one. Followers of Jesus, you know them by how they treat people, listen. If your life's intersection with Jesus has not affected how you treat people, you haven't met Jesus. I said if nothing has changed, if, if if he's not come after the prejudice, if he's not come after the grouch in you, if it if if Jesus' kindness towards you in saving you hasn't brought out something about a changed heart in how you treat people, in other words, in other words, you can't say, well, I love God, I just don't like people and mean to people. doesn't work that way. If you love God and the love of God has intersected your heart, it's gonna radically change the way you deal with people. Come on. John said it this way. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, this is, this is strong. He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God... Must somebody say must. must? Must also love his brother. Now, if you've attended here for any length of time, I wasn't there this morning because I was, I was helping baptismal candidates get oriented. But most Sundays, unless there's there's something else, I'm out in the lobby just because I I enjoy seeing everybody. Most of you, many of you, I only get to see once a week, or if you work sometimes on Sundays, not even that much. And so I enjoy being out there and. What I'm really trying to do is just set an example for all of you for how how we ought to respond to people in our midst. And one of the saddest things for me, now look, just to put this in context, I've been a pastor for 38 years. This hasn't happened a ton of times over those 38 years, but it has happened a couple times. Someone starts coming, and whether it be Eastern or whether it be, I've pastored three churches along the way, maybe maybe one of the other churches, and, and someone starts coming and they seem excited and all of a sudden they stop. And, and they, I think about them, and they've left their phone number, so maybe I'll, I'll call them or I'll send them a text, say, hey, you know, missed you the last couple weeks. Everything okay? I mean, sometimes they might text back, say, yeah, we've been sick. See you next week, whatever. But once in a great while, yeah, all was good until such and such chewed me out in the kitchen my last visit there. And my heart just drops. Well, that's such and such who chewed you out. I'm thinking this in my mind, has been a believer for 30 years. And, and, and they think that something that happened in the kitchen is more important than showing the love of Jesus to a newcomer? Can, can, can I show you a, a pretty powerful verse that we all need to consider when it comes? Say, go ahead, pastor. I'm, you know I'm gonna do it anyway, but here it goes. Whoever causes one of these little ones. Now, the question is, who are the little ones? The little ones could be a child. The little ones could be a child in the faith. You understand? Somebody, whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe in me to stumble, it'd be better for him if he hung a millstone around his neck and were thrown into the sea. Boy, it got quiet in here. Come on, how many believe every visitor that comes through these doors is a gift from God? And I wanna remind you, I've said this a lot lately, but you need to know this, friend. In today's world, they're coming in like they are. They don't know nothing about nothing. And if God draws them here, let's not try to clean the fish while they're coming in the door. Let Jesus catch them, and the cleaning will happen on the backside. It's really important, friend. It's really important. Amen? Dear friends. There we go. We don't want to meet her in the the kitchen. All right? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I've told this story before, it's been, it's been quite a while, and for somebody new. Um, I, got, I got saved, I was 18 years of age, and uh, the youth group that I was in was both youth and young adults, so I'd go to the youth group on Sunday nights, and I think youth group was at 5.30, and then service was at 6.30, so most of us would go from the youth service right into the main service. And I remember uh, I was walking with my friend Perry, Perry and, and we were walking into service, and Perry, like me, was a relatively new believer and he just happened to have a, a pair of shorts on. He went to walk in the sanctuary door and he caught the riot act. Now, this was 40 years ago. Things have changed a little bit, but 40 years ago. I mean, the red-faced usher. How dare you walk into the house? I mean, just tore into him. And I remember, like, really? I, I mean... It, it 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 was that. I mean, could you put your arm around him and say, "Perry, it's so nice to have you around here." So I mean, isn't there wasn't there another way? If it was that important to you, come on, come on. Can Christians ever be guilty of being Pharisees? Yeah, and you know what happens is we we count ourselves more mature and we forget. We forget how bad we were when Jesus saved us. We forget. What a mess we were. Now we think we're, you know, we got cleaned up. We're different now. Come on, somebody. Let's not forget. Let's remember. God has been gracious to us, and there's a world who needs that grace poured upon them. Can somebody in the house say amen this morning? Listen, just in kind, there's been times I've been standing outside, and I've I've gone up to somebody, and I said, Look, sir... uh, um, I'd appreciate if you didn't smoke a cigarette right where people are walking through. We have people with lung problems. Would you mind just just walking over to the side? And We'd appreciate that. And listen, people have always been so, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, I didn't want to offend. It's okay, just just move over. You understand, there's a way to deal with things. You understand? With the kindness, you know? I've asked you this before. Has God ever yelled at you in your prayer time? You ever heard God say, you stinking lousy, no good, no for nothing? No. Now God may correct you, He may convict you, but it's always with the purpose of restoration. It's always with a heart of love towards you. Come on, are you saying amen? Amen. All right. Listen, talking about the Bereans, they were they were serious. And I'm saying this morning, if you're serious, it's got to affect the way you meet people. And, And we're in a strange time right now. Like, like you look at this world, this world's going crazy. And if you're not careful, you can get angry. Just, oh man, what is happening? And I think it's okay to grieve over things that you see, but I have to ask God, Lord, in the midst of the craziness of this world, would you please watch my heart that I don't get hard towards people and forget no matter how lost somebody is, they can still be saved. Can you say amen? amen. All right, last point. Then we're going to have baptism. Stick with me. Number four, if you're, if you're serious, serious followers of Jesus value time with Jesus. Can I remind you this morning that Jesus saved you, not just to forgive you, but he saved you so that you could have relationship with him. And relationship requires investment. True? True. Listen, this is what my heart for this point. I'm not, not going to be long. I felt like, I felt like as, I was, as I was kind of meditating this, the Lord said to me, just, just remind the people of one of the enemy's great tactics that keeps them from prayer. And this, this is that great tactic. That tactic is, you know, you kind of know you need to spend time with prayer, maybe you even set aside the time. But as you, as you contemplate prayer, the enemy says to you, who do you think you are? You're not perfect. You messed up. You're this and that. And he's, he's just trying to beat you over the brow to remind you that, and you know, what he says to you, you're, you're not worthy. And, and, and because what, some of what he says is truth. How I many you know the devil always brings tr- truth with a lie behind it, half-truth? Right, maybe what he says is true in the sense you're not perfect, but oh, this, is, this is what I want to remind you of this morning. Listen to me. This is so important. The blood of Jesus is enough. Listen to me. The blood of Jesus is enough for you to have entrance before the Father. If it was about our performance, do any of us deserve to come before a holy God? No, but it's the blood of Jesus. That's why Hebrews 10, 19 says this. It says, therefore, brothers, how did I get way back there? Stick with me. I hit a button. It's coming. Never had this happen before. There we are. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, so, so this is important. So, wh- what is the confidence that we have? Or, what is it? Why can we go into our prayer time and say, Lord, here I am? Because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, if I could let you into my morning prayer time. Pretty much every morning, unless I for for have a slip, but pretty much every morning when I start my prayer time, it starts like this. Lord, I recognize the only entrance I have to have an audience with someone as awesome as you is because of the blood of Jesus. Lord, even now I'm I'm coming through that blood. Wash me clean. Thank you for the covering of your blood. Thank you that when you look at me, you see the covering, the righteousness of Christ over my life because of the blood. And I come before you pure, not because I'm so pure in and of myself or I never mess up, but because of what the blood has done. Come on, somebody. When the devil tries to knock you down, you come back and say, but the blood, the blood, the blood is why I can come. The blood is what allows me to come before your presence. Come on. Eddie James was in the house here about a month ago. He just came out with a new album called The Blood. Y'all listen to it. Uh, My my kids, we can't get enough of it. They just, they they love it, and I'm not gonna tell them not to listen to the songs that are about the blood. It's powerful, amen? So here's the impetus of what I'm trying to say. The Bereans, listen, the Bereans were more noble because they were serious, right? Let's not just say we're serious, when I look at your man cave, let me see the evidence. They're serious. Amen? And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. I just feel led to do this before we have our baptismal service. We don't, we don't have a ton of candidates today, so we're not going to be super long. I do hope. I mean, baptism, this is, this, is, this is the family enlarging. I want you to rejoice in that. But I, I just feel like I need to ask today, if there's somebody in the house that needs the forgiveness of Jesus, somebody in the house. You say, Pastor, I'm not worthy. That's right. That's why he died for you, because you're not worthy, because you need a Savior. And he reaches out his hand, and he says, whosoever will. That's his invitation. They can come. They can be forgiven. For me, it was at 18 years of age when I realized I had religion, but I didn't have a personal walk with Jesus. I really didn't know him. And that Sunday night service, I opened up the door of my heart. I invited Christ to come in, and it changed. It revolutionized my life because now I realize, man, God didn't put me here so I could do my own thing and go my own way and run my own way. I was here for him. I'm looking for somebody here. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Today, I'd like to open the door of my heart And invites Christ to come in with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand as a way of saying, Thank you. Someone else here, thank you. Thank you. Others here this morning, say, Man, today. 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 Looking around, looking in the balcony. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know why today? Because none of us are promised tomorrow. Today is the day. I I saw a number of hands go up. I'm going to do this this morning. I'm going to lead you in prayer as if I was you because 40 some years ago it was me who was praying that prayer. And I want you to, I want you to pray with me. And I'm going to ask all of you to pray in respect for those who raised their hands. We're just, we're just going to join them and support them. But from the depth of your heart I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to say, dear Jesus. We'll start over again. Everybody, I need your help. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned and fall short of your glory I believe Jesus that you died for me that you rose again and right now I open the door of my heart and I say Lord Jesus come in wash me clean transform my life that I might follow you and live for you. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray. You don't have to pray for me, Lord. I pray for those who prayed that prayer with sincerity. God, that they'd end up like the Bereans. Serious. They found Jesus, and they're serious about following him. Help all of us, God, to be serious. We all see things happen in the world around us that point to your soon coming. It's not time, Lord, to be a slice of the pie. It's time to grab hold of the whole pie and run after you and say, Lord, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we are servants.